Um, as we continue through, uh, through the Gospel of Luke, uh, I, don't, I don't know if you've ever been, uh, you've been in a conversation with someone who's an expert in something. Uh, maybe you, uh, you know, you, you, uh, you're talking to someone who's, you know, really versed in, in you know, the financial system, uh, you know, and they say something like, oh yeah, like when we went off the gold standard in the 70s, and you're like, wait a second, can you back up and tell me, you know, they just mentioned something offhand like, wait. And hey, well, you're gonna have to give me some background on that, or uh, you know, someone a medical, someone in the medical field, and then they say, "Oh yeah, well, you, of course you shouldn't be doing this." And you're like, "Whoa, hold on, could you give me a little more information about that? Because that's something that I do all the time, uh, right?" And so, if you're talking with an expert about something, they'll often say something that uh, that you need some some background information on, and I think that's what we see happen here. They're walking by the temple. This is the second temple uh, that's being renovated. It's 50 years into the renovation by Herod the Great and, and Herod the Great uh, in, in a, you know, uh, trying to make his name great, uh, expanded the temple almost twice the size. Uh, you know, he, he was, this was the, the middle of his the renovation that he began. Uh, and so walking by the temple, it was, a normal conversation was, wow, look at the temple. Look at how great, how big these stones are. Uh, and, and Jesus just offhand, you know, it, it, I don't know if it was offhand. It's, it can come, come across like that. Oh yeah, the days will come when not one stone will be left upon another. And he just let, left it lie there. And so the, they're like, could you... Okay, great, Jesus. Could, could we have a little more information about that? Could we have some backstory on that? And so Jesus gives it to them in this passage. And Jesus, he's an expert. He, he's smart. And we don't, sometimes I don't think of Jesus as being smart, but he's the smartest person alive. He knows everything. Uh, he, we, we should care about what he thinks about anything because uh, he, he, is, he is the expert on everything, on, on all of life. Um, uh, he, he's also, and we see here, he's a prophet. Uh, Jesus speaks here as a prophet. There's a lot of uh, prophetic and uh, apocalyptic type language here. This sounds like Isaiah or Ezekiel or Jeremiah. Uh, and that's because Jesus is a prophet and he's prophetically uh, telling his disciples what's, what's gonna come. And, and I think, I just wanna to point out, I hope we'll see today uh, that the reason he's doing this um, it's, not, he, it's not because he's unkind. It's not because he is this distant deity, you know, just telling how things will happen. No, no, no. It's because he, he is kind. He, he wants his disciples to be ready. That's why he's giving them all this information. That's why he's telling them what's going to happen. And so uh, he, he wants his, his followers to know and he wants his church to know what to expect. And so he gives us uh, this, this passage, this wonderful um, a prophetic passage uh, that we're going to talk about today. And so as we get into the, the passage today, we'll break it up into four parts. One, persecution is coming. Two, Jerusalem will fall. Three, the Son of Man will come. And four, be ready. Okay, these are the four parts. Let's, let's take a moment to pray and we will uh, we'll dive in together. I want to give you a moment just in your, in your seat to ask the Lord to speak to you. You can just pray. Um, if, you, if you're not used to praying, you can just talk in your head like Jesus actually can hear you inside your, your, your head. So you can just say to him, would, Jesus, would you please speak to me? Next, would you pray for someone beside you 
someone in your family, someone on your row, your spouse, your kids, a stranger you don't know, uh, would you ask God to speak to them? Lastly, would you pray for me? Would you pray that I would be faithful to God's word and that I would be helpful to you? Father, thank you for, the, for these, my brothers and sisters. Thank you for uh, their prayer. Um, thank you for the, the prayers of the saints, Lord, that hold all of us up. Uh, Father, we, we lift up uh, Julie and, and Travis Bowles to you. And we lift up all the people at, of Harbor Church this morning as they meet. Would you fill them with your spirit? Would you bless them? Um, and, and, and would you use them, Lord, to, to reach so many people with the good news of Jesus in Magnolia? I pray that, uh, that you would uh, put it in people's minds who have never gone to church, that they want to go to church and that they would find out about Harbor Church and would come and join. Um, Lord, and we just ask that, that uh, just everything would go smoothly tech with the technology and, and the facility and, and all of the details that have to be ironed out, um, but, but that, that you would be honored and glorified uh, by Harbor Church. Father, we need you today. Um, we can do nothing good without you. We know that uh, in our flesh, we, we uh, push away your word. We push away your, um, your, your correction uh, to, toward us. Oftentimes, Lord, we even push away your encouragement toward us and how you want to speak to us. And so would you break through every barrier that we would, we would erect and would you, uh, would you speak your word into our hearts by your spirit? We need you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. First, persecution is coming. Persecution is coming. Uh, so Jesus answers this question, right? Okay, tell us a little more. The temple's gonna be destroyed. What, what do you mean by that? Um, and he says, well, you know, watch out. There's gonna be, there's gonna be false messiahs. There's gonna be people who say the time is near, right? There's gonna, and and uh, he says, don't, don't listen to those people. Don't, don't believe them. Um, there's gonna be some crazy things that happen, right? Verse nine, when you hear of wars, rebellions, don't be alarmed. Indeed, it's necessary that these things take place first, but the end won't come right away. And so I think we see here Jesus laying out kind of the structure of how this passage is gonna be laid out. Uh, there's, there's going to be crazy things that happen, right? Uh, there's, gonna, there's gonna be wars, there's gonna be rebellions, there's gonna be see several different signs Jesus talks about. Um, and, and, and he says there's, there's gonna be some things that happen soon, right? That he's, Jesus is predicting these will, things will go on very quickly. Uh, but he says the end won't come right away. So there's also some things that are gonna happen later. There's gonna be a, a gap between some of these things and there's gonna be some things that happen later. And so I think we see Jesus very clearly here in Luke talking about uh, some things that are in the immediate future, and then as a prophet often does, right, as, as this is very common in prophetic literature, the prophetic foreshortening, they see uh, in, into the future and they can see layers of what's coming. Uh, so he's talking about something that's gonna happen now and then something that's gonna happen uh, later. So we'll see these things. 
All right, he gives them a little preview. They, they, then he told them, nation will be raised up against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be violent earthquakes uh, and signs and plagues in various places, and there will be terrifying sights and great signs from heaven. But before all these things, so he's, he's gonna, okay, listen, guys. Before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you. He says, guys, persecution is coming. Persecution is coming. He says in this passage, they'll be hated. Right? They'll be able to say, yeah, everyone hates me. <laughs> You'll be hated by all. Hated, handed over, right? Like arrested, given up, betrayed, even by family members and relatives, friends. Arrested, brought before the rulers and authorities. Right, and, and, and imagine uh, the, 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 the comfort that this would be to the disciples. And, and, you know, the, when this happens, uh, imagine the comfort this would be that they would, they would go, oh yeah, they could remember, this is what Jesus told me was gonna happen. Right, oh yeah, my, my sister just like, betrayed me. to the, so I was hiding because they, I was preaching about Jesus. I was telling people about Jesus. They didn't like it. They were gonna come arrest me. I was hiding. My sister told them where I was and now I'm in prison. And this is what Jesus said was gonna happen. And look at verse 13. This will give you an opportunity to bear witness. Right, this will give you an opportunity. So Jesus is saying, and, and the disciples, imagine the comfort of this. This was the plan, right, so that I can bear witness. And, and I wonder if, if, if you think, and if you believe that your circumstances are orchestrated by a sovereign God for witness, and imagine how, how, how depressing it would be to be uh, turned over by your family, to be arrested, to be put on trial, to be, be even, you're, you're gonna be executed. How much lower can you get? Right, but, but the disciples and we have this promise. This, is, this will give you an opportunity to bear witness in your circumstances, however grim, however negative, right? The, the, we all have things in our life, don't we, that we wish were another way. Ah, but perhaps they're not another way because to give us the opportunity to witness, to give us the opportunity to say, our hope is not in this world. Our hope is not that our lives go like we want them to. Our hope is not material comfort. Our hope is not our health. Our hope is the Lord. And we have the opportunity to witness, to be a witness, to be an ambassador in these moments. Jesus gives promises to his disciples in, in this time, though. When persecution comes, he gives a couple promises to you. The first one, he says, I'll give you words and wisdom. It's amazing. Uh, verse 14, therefore make up your minds not to prepare your defense ahead of time, for I will give you such words and a wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. He says, don't worry about what you're gonna say. I'll, I'll meet you in that moment. I'll give you what you need. And when we see this fulfilled uh, in, in even further on in Luke's writings, in the book of Acts, right? In the book of Acts, we, we see Stephen, the first martyr of the church. We see uh, one, one of the deacons. He, he's brought before uh, the rulers and authorities. He's questioned, and, and what does he do? It's an amazing passage. He, he preaches a sermon about Jesus from the Old Testament, uh, about uh, all these things, about how they've rejected the Messiah, Great words of wisdom. And he's executed. He's, he's killed for it. And even at his execution, he looks up and he sees Jesus. Jesus is with him. 
Jesus gives him words and, and gives him his presence. We see Paul, don't we, later on in Acts. He's, he's brought before authorities and rulers. He's brought, he's brought to Rome. He appeals to Rome and he's taken there to, to, to witness before the rulers, before the authorities. And we still have his witness and his witness still speaks today. And I think God will give us what we need, right? When we are in tight situations, when we are put in places that we wish we weren't, right? We can trust that the Lord is with us, that he will give us words and wisdom. The second promise, um, he says uh, that uh, not a hair of your head will be lost. Look at it. Uh, At the end of verse 16, it says, they will kill some of you. You will be hated by everyone because of my name, but not a hair of your head will be lost. I love that. They'll kill some of you, but don't worry about your hair. It'll be good, you know? What does this mean? It means that when they kill a Christians, they always leave the hair alone. <laughs> no, that's not what it means, uh, right? They, what, what does it mean, though? How could this be true? Well, I, I, think, I think it's proverbial, right? Remember Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount saying, talking about the care of the Father, saying, even the hairs on your head are not, he knows every hair on your head. I think what he's saying here is, hey, they're gonna kill some of you, but you'll be completely fine. You'll be fine. Your father will take care of you completely. Oh, it's amazing, isn't it, as Christians, that we have nothing to lose. What can they take from us? Our lives. <laughs> but then they can't take our lives even, right? It's the worst thing, right? Death itself becomes a doorway into life. They can take nothing from us. Everything's gonna be fine, I was just out in, uh, at, we were at an elder retreat out at the Godbolt's place in Livingston and they have all these trails and some of you have been there and these signs, these, there's these signs on the trails and one of the signs says, uh, uh, not to ruin the end, but everything's gonna be okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's it, right? Everything's gonna be okay. That's what he's saying. He'll give us words and wisdom. He'll take care of us, not a hair on your head. We'll be lost. And number three, uh, it says, verse 19, by your endurance, by your endurance, gain your lives. By your endurance, gain your lives. We, we need endurance. Right? And, and Christians are those who endure to the end. Right? God will give us what we need to endure. And by our endurance, we will gain our lives. This is not just here, uh, but this is throughout the scripture. This is a theme throughout the scripture. At the, at the in Romans, middle of Romans 8, Paul says, the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. We'll suffer with him. That, that, that means we need to endure, right? Even more pointedly, Hebrews 10, 36. For you need endurance so that after you have done God's will, you may receive what was promised. For yet in a very little while, the coming one will come and not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he draws back, I have no pleasure in him. But we are not those who draw back and are destroyed, but those who have faith and are saved. Right, we we need endurance. Listen, the testimony of scripture is not that life is going to be easy. It's not that you become a Christian, it just gets better and better and better and then you go to glory, right? No, that's not what scripture says. The scripture says we should uh, assume that we're going to suffer, 
Right? Peter says, don't be, don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. We should be prepared for this. Why, why is he telling us this? So we'll be prepared uh, to endure, to hold on to Christ, to, to not, not run to sin, not run away from him, not, not forsake what we know to be true. He says, I'll give you words and wisdom. I'll take care of you. And by your endurance, you'll gain your life. Hold on. Persecution is coming. Second, Jesus says, Jerusalem will fall. Jerusalem will fall. He gets back to what he was talking about with the temple being destroyed. He says, okay, I'm gonna tell you. Watch out for persecution. Here's what's gonna happen. When you see Jerusalem, verse 20, surrounded by armies, then recognize that its desolation has come near. This is the, the immediate uh, prediction. This is the immediate prophecy. This is going to happen soon. When, when, uh, it's it's going to be destroyed. Then those in Judea must flee to the mountains. Those inside the city must leave it. And those who are in the country must not enter it because the, uh, the, these are the days of vengeance to fulfill all the things that were written. It, this is uh, you know, counter, kind of counterintuitive advice. Usually in, in the ancient world, if there was an army coming, you would run to the city, run to the where it's fortified. Jesus is saying, that's not going to work this time. You, you're got a better chance going to the mountain leave the city flee get away because it's going to go badly there woe to pregnant women and nursing mothers in those days there will be great stress in the land and wrath against this people they will be killed by the sword and led captive into all the nations and jerusalem will be trampled by the gentiles until the times of the gentiles are fulfilled jesus foretells the destruction of jerusalem uh, and in, in 70 AD, uh, the Roman emperor Titus came against Jerusalem and put it under siege for five months, uh, and, and it fell. And I think I have a, a picture there, an artist rendering of this. Um, and, and this was just a catastrophic event, right? This historical event, we, we can't, I, I mean, maybe we could fathom it if you thought, like, like Houston is going to be nuked. You know, like that'd be, that'd be a similar sort of prediction for, uh, but, but maybe not even that, not even, this was the center of Jewish life. The temple was center of Jewish worship, that, that the Jerusalem was going to fall to the Gentiles, that, that the temple was going to be destroyed completely. Unthinkable. But Jesus predicts this. And then it happens. In, in AD 70, um, Josephus, the, the ancient historian, uh, who's, uh, you know, modern historians don't trust his numbers at all, but we, he's like the only one recording so, <laughs> and in the, kind of the way we, we think of modern history. And so uh, he said uh, uh, almost a million people, I think over a million people died during the siege and, and in, in the attack. Um, and then almost a million people were carried away as slaves, uh, he says, for in, this, in this event. And so it certainly happened. Um, and, and it's interesting that what Jesus says at the end there, that Jerusalem will be trampled by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. What does that mean? Well, there is a historical change here, isn't there? As we see this through the New Testament and the ministry of Jesus, that in the Old Testament, God's word, his presence was with Israel. Right? And, and that didn't mean God didn't care about the nations, but it was supposed to be Israel was a light to the nations, was bringing the, the, the nations into the worship of the God of Israel. But there's a change in, when, in Jesus' ministry when the, the, 
the curtain of the temple is torn, when uh, the gospel goes out to all the nations, right? When the people of God becomes not just an ethnic uh, kingdom, but a, a multinational, uh, you know, diverse people of God across the whole world. And this is the times of the Gentiles, right? Where the gospel goes out to the world. And if you uh, read Romans 11, depending on how you interpret that, um, it, I think we can expect that there will be a time, right? That the, there was a, a hardening of Israel so that the Gentiles and nations could be brought in so that then God could have mercy even on Israel. And so we should expect a, a revival among uh, even, even uh, the nation of Israel um, someday. We pray for that. But he says Jerusalem uh, will fall. And in fact, it did. Number three, we see the Son of Man will come. Now, this is the next pr- prediction, and, and this, this moves to, again, the, the end of times. You can see this is, uh, this is a different event, uh, even though he, he sort of continues in, this, um, in his, his teaching right here. Uh, verse 25, then there will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. There will be anguish on the earth among the nations. Uh, uh, among the nations bewildered by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will faint from fear and expectation of the things that are coming on the world because the powers of the heavens will be shaken. You, you hear now the apocalyptic language. You hear that this is, this is uh, something even more catastrophic. It's like Jesus sees the coming uh, destruction of Jerusalem uh, and, and that's catastrophic and that reminds him and he can see past it. There's another day coming, another even more world-changing day coming in the future when uh, not only all of the, you know, the, all the, the world as we know it will be shaken, but even the heavens, the very stars and planets will shake because of what's gonna happen on this day. Verse 27, then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and with great glory. See the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and with great glory. And if you were an Israelite, and especially if you were chief priests, the scribes, the elders who were there, he's, Jesus is in the temple as he's saying these things, uh, you know, th- there's no way that they would not have thought of Daniel chapter 7. Right, this is, this is imagery, the son of man, Jesus calls himself the son of man, that's from Daniel chapter seven. And this, this uh, son of man, cloud and great glory, uh, this, is, this is Daniel chapter seven and verse, uh, uh, starting in verse 13. It says this, I continued watching in the night visions and suddenly one like a son of man was coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days and was escorted before him. He was given dominion and glory and a kingdom so that those of every people, nation, and language should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will not be destroyed. You see, Jesus is saying, I'm the one. I'm the son of man. The son of man will come in great power and in great glory. Right, and he tells them this, again, to be, to be ready. He says to be watching for this. That's why he tells them the parable right, of the fig tree. We have fig, I have fig trees in my backyard. and They're completely bare right now. They're just sticks. Right? No, no leaves on them. And when the leaves come, when the buds come and the leaves come, right, we'll know, oh, it, the, the season is changing. It's summer, right? Summer is coming. That's what he says. And in the same way, that, the same way when you see these things happening, recognize that the kingdom of God is near. Now, I think these things will be 
discernible. I think they will be obvious, right? He's already said, don't, there's gonna be some who come and say, the time is near, the time is near. And don't we know, haven't we heard of people who, who predict the end of the day, the end of days, who predict, you know, on the March 29th, you know, the world's gonna end. Don't believe them, right? <laughs> they don't know, uh, right? But, but, but he says here, no, when you see these things, so there, there's gonna be obvious things. This is gonna come on the whole earth. When you see them happening, recognize the kingdom of God is near. Truly I tell you, he says, this generation will certainly not pass away until all things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Um, this, this verse 32, talking about the, the generation not passing away, puzzles Bible scholars, right? Uh, it, no one knows exactly what Jesus is referring to. On the, on the face, you think, well, does he mean that, that these, like his disciples who are hearing this aren't gonna die before he comes back? Because that seems like that didn't happen. No, but I, I, think, I think the most, uh, r- the most straightforward way to read it and interpret it is to say that this generation, meaning the generation that begins to see these signs, Right, truly I say to you, this generation, right, the one that sees the signs will certainly not pass away until all things take place. So once you start seeing these signs, it's gonna happen. If you see the buds, if you see the leaves, you're gonna see the summer. Right? This, this is going to, uh, to happen. The son of man will come and he says in verse 33, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Right? It will happen. The son of man will come. And I, and I love uh, verse 28. This is when these things begin to take place. Stand up and lift your heads because your redemption is near. Right? In, the, uh, in Lord of the Rings, I'm a big Lord of the Rings fan. Um, and uh, in, in the, the, obviously it's a book. Uh, if you haven't read the book, you should read the book. Uh, but also the movie does a really good job of this. There, there's a, a scene uh, at the Battle of Helm's Deep, right? And, and the, the Urukai, this monster army, are, are breaking in, they're, they're overwhelming uh, the defenses. They've kind of broken through the outer wall of this fortress and they've pushed all the, 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 uh, the good guys back to uh, the keep, back to the helm, like the, the main fortress area. Uh, they know they're overrun. Uh, and so Theoden, the king, and Aragorn, who's another king, they decide we're gonna do one last charge. Or we're gonna ride out of the keep uh, for glory, you know, for honor and glory, for Rohan, we're, we're gonna do it. Uh, and so they, they decide to, and they, uh, they ride out into the, the hordes of, of enemy army. And at that moment, that's, uh, dawn, dawn happens and the sun starts to rise uh, and they look to the east and they see a Gandalf with reinforcements coming down to meet them. Uh, and, and, and when I see that, they, they know, right? They know that their, their, uh, their redemption is here. Uh, they know that their salvation is here. And, and when I, I see that, that's what I think of this passage. They stand up and they lift up their heads. Oh, <laughs> we're saved. And this is a vision, I think, for what, how Christians should, should think about, right? This is the vision for what, what, what our response should be when he returns. When Jesus returns, what, what should our response be? We should stand up, lift up our heads. Ah, he's here. He's come. Are, are you ready for that? Would that be your response? If you heard the trumpet today, And so Jesus says, be ready, be ready. Number four, uh, this is verse 34. Be on your guard so that your minds are not dulled from carousing drunkenness and the worries of life 
Or that day will come on you unexpectedly like a trap. For it will come on all who live on the face of the whole earth. But be alert at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. He says, he says be ready, be on your guard, be alert. Right? He says, so that your minds are not dulled. So that the word is like weighed down. You're not weighed down by uh, carousing. This is a, a, like a drunken stupor. This is like, a, it's like the word for a hangover. Right? Don't, don't be dulled from having a hangover, from drunkenness, from the worries of life. After that day will come upon you unexpectedly like a trap. And, and isn't this our tendency right, to, to always... Just to think that things will always continue as they've always been, right? It's, in some ways, it's the, per, the perfectly natural thing to assume. It's all we've ever known, right? Things are just going to keep, these are, they'll just be like this forever. Seasons come, seasons go. Right, we had the holidays, now the new year, and work every week, and school, and summer, and fall. Right? Like, we just think it's just going to continue like this forever. But Jesus says here, it won't continue like this forever. There is a day coming when everything will change. There's a day coming when we will, you will see the Son of Man coming in glory. And I think that there's, there's some temptations here. There's some temptations if we just think that things continue on as they always go. Right? I think the, the first one is, is, is saying carousing drunkenness. Isn't it, isn't it uh, a temptation just to give up? If you think, that, man, things are just going to continue on as they are. And life is hard, isn't it? Life can be difficult. So you can just numb yourself. You can go to alcohol. You can go to substances, substance abuse. And numb yourself. You can let the worries of life so drag you down. That's all you think about. Makes you want to give up. But Jesus says this isn't all. <laughs> so this world's not going to continue as it is. The Son of Man will come in power and great glory. Don't, don't give up. Don't, don't numb yourself. Be ready. I think the second temptation is like the Pharisees. Uh, to, 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 they thought things were going to continue as they are, and they liked how it was going. And, and you could see they're, 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 they're playing a power game. They're, they're exploiting their position. They're exploiting the way things are for their own gain. This is this, I mean, you've seen this throughout this whole little section. Uh, Jesus comes into Jerusalem. He throws the money changers out of the temple, and, which prompts the Pharisees to ask the question, who do you think you are? Who gave you the authority to do these things? Right? And then Jesus uh, proceeds to answer all of their questions in a way that accuses them. Then he asks them a question that they can't answer. And then last week we saw him say in front of all the people, beware of the scribes and Pharisees who, who exploit widows. Right? They're using all of their, their power. They're using the, the, even the place that God has placed them in as religious leaders. They're using them to exploit others. Beware of them. And here he says the temple is going to be destroyed. The, the place you see is the center of your power and authority. It's going away. But there is a power and there is a kingdom and there's an authority and a glory that lasts forever. 
And maybe this is your temptation to, to use your life and your money and your time and your, your things, your position to, to benefit yourself, to play the power and glory game. We, we, we can trust in, in so many things in this world. We can think there's glory in progress, in education, in social reform, whatever you're excited about. There, we can think there's glory in politics, that there's gonna be some candidate elected who's gonna finally bring in justice and righteousness. Spoiler alert. There's not. Right, that there's gonna be, uh, even, even you can put, glo- there's glory in, in just comfort and material possessions, like personal peace. You can just think, if I just have, uh, you know, my 401k maxed out, if I can just have some comfort and security, a house and the kids are okay, and like if we can just kind of keep everything out and be, be, have peace here, then that's glory, that's, that's what I want. And couldn't Jesus say to all of those things, they're all, not one stone will be left on another. Right? And whatever social progress, whatever education, whatever reform, whatever, th- whatever things, whatever progress we've achieved as, as humanity, oh, it will, not one stone will be left on another. Right? Whatever country, right? Rome, I mean, think about Rome. Rome was the greatest empire. Rome was a much greater empire than America. It lasted thousands of years, a thousand years. America will crumble to the dust. It will be nothing. Your personal peace and comfort cannot last. Everything that you own will one day be in a, in a landfill. But there is a power. There is a glory. There is a kingdom that will last forever. And it's his. It's his. He will come in power and in great glory. And he's our hope. He's all we have. And you might ask, you might say, well, Austin, that's, you know, this is sort of a radical thing you're saying. <laughs> the end of the world. You know, Jesus will come back, judge, the, judge everyone, right? Establish his kingdom. How, how can we know that this is true? Well, one one way, one way to think about it is let's just look at Jesus's record, right? If he's a, if he's a prophet, let's just look at some of the things that he said, right? And this could be a lot longer list, but I think you'll get the point here. Uh, if you go back even just, just like two chapters, three chapters in Luke 18, for the third time, Jesus tells his disciples really clearly, like in these clear words, we're going to Jerusalem. The chief priests and the scribes are going to arrest me. I'm going to be mocked and flogged and spit upon and killed. And then I'm going to rise from the dead, right? He just tells them this straight out, right? He's prophesying. This is what's going to happen. I mean, we'll see in, in a couple weeks and as we get to, um, you, you know, as we get uh, to the end of Luke here, does that happen? Yes. Right, check, that happens. Jesus is arrested. He is executed by the authorities and then he rises from the dead. And this is what Christianity is based on. Right? It's why we worship Jesus. <laughs> he defeated death. He's, he actually rose. Okay, that's good. He, okay, one, one for one. Okay, he, uh, what else did he say in this passage? We just saw, he said persecution will come. There's going to be intense persecution that you're going to have to endure. Right? And did that happen? Yes. 
Right, even in, in the book of Acts, early in the book of Acts, we see uh, the apostles, James the apostle is beheaded for the faith, right? There, Stephen is killed, he's stoned, right? As, we, saw, as we, we talked about. Yes, intense persecution comes, so check. It happened, just as he said. And then maybe the most, uh, I mean, an outrageous claim, again, probably to, to those who heard it and at the time, is that Jerusalem will fall, the temple will be utterly destroyed. Did it happen? Yeah. 80, 70, right? Only 40 so, some odd years after Jesus said these words, uh, the, the Roman armies destroyed Jerusalem. Check. And so in this passage, we also see, just like he said those other things, we see him say, the son of man will come in power and in great glory. So will it happen? Seems the reasonable thing would be to say, yes, it will. <laughs> Jesus keeps his word. He's pretty, he's pretty uh, good on his promises. He will come in power. And so we should be ready. And look at verse 36 again. But be alert at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and stand before the Son of Man. Be alert. Don't get bogged down. Stay awake. And pray. Pray that you may have strength to get through what's coming. Again, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. We need endurance. You can't just coast. (laughs) You know, like you can't just, you're not just going to drift into being a faithful Christian, enduring persecution. It doesn't happen. No, be ready. Stand alert. So, are we ready? Are you ready? If that trumpet sounds today, will you stand up and lift up your head? Or will you hide your head in shame? This should be the posture of a Christian to be ready, to be thinking it could happen. It could happen at any time. So are you ready? I think there's a couple reasons why you might not be. You might not be ready uh, if, you're, if you're not a Christian. Right? If you don't know Jesus. And if this scares you, if you don't know Jesus and this scares you, then that's the correct thing to feel. It's scary. Jesus is the judge. He'll come and judge you for everything that you've done. Is that what you want? Do you want to, stay, you want to stand before the judge and have to give an account, have to pay for all the wrongs that you've done? Listen, if, if, what does the psalm say? If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, right? If he kept the record of wrongs against us, who could stand? Nobody. I couldn't. Nobody. But he has made a way. The king has made a way. Right? What does Colossians say? The record of debt has been set aside. He nailed it to the cross. Jesus, he will take all of your sins. He loved you enough to die on the cross 
right, to take the punishment that's due your sin so that you could stand before him with clear eyes, with a head held high, not based on your works in your life or mine, but based on him, based on what he has done. And so you should come to Jesus, right? You should become a Christian. I think you should become a Christian. Why wouldn't you become a Christian? Like, Jesus will love you better than anyone has ever loved you or ever can. Oh, it's amazing. (laughs) It's wonderful. So, So get ready in that way. Get ready. Come to Jesus. We want to talk with you. We want to pray with you after the service. If that's you. Um, but, but you might, maybe you're a believer in here, but you still feel like, I don't know if I'm ready or not. And I think that could be for a lot of different reasons. And we should talk about it. I would we'd love to talk to you about this. But maybe, maybe you've just drifted. Maybe the reason is because you just don't know Jesus that well. I mean, it's a relationship, just like any other relationship. It's like, do I know this person? Well, I haven't really spent much time with him, so no, I don't know them that well. Maybe that's how you feel like with Jesus. You're like, yeah, I, I mean, I trust him, but I don't really know him that well. Oh, isn't this a call? Maybe, maybe you've been living your life just, just drifting away, just going on every, every uh, wave, every, you know, you're just up and down all the time. Uh, man, center your life on Jesus. Come back to him. Maybe you're a Christian, but, but you know you're not ready because you're living in open rebellion against God. Maybe you're harboring sin. You just love it. You just won't let it go. And, and again, I would think if, you're, if that causes fear, a, pain, a pang of fear in your heart, then it should. Based on the scriptures, Right? How can we, who have died to sin, still live in it? How can we look at Jesus bleeding out on the cross for us and then just spit on him and say, I don't care about his love? Oh, no. Put, we have to hate our sin. We need to put it to death. Maybe you need to, maybe there's something, and, you know, and the Holy Spirit, if, you, if, you, if he's bringing it to mind, you're like, probably that, probably that. It's that, right? Holy Spirit's convicting you. That's the thing. You need to confess. You need to bring it out into the light. Come see one of the pastors. Come see your, your, someone in, in your group, your family, your spouse. Like, we, we, you need to deal with these things. You need to put it to death. Kill your sin. 1 John 3, maybe the end of 2, says, abide in him. <laughs> abide in him so that when he comes, you will not shrink from shame. Shrink away from him in shame. Repent. Turn to Jesus. His love for you hasn't changed. And I love this as a vision for our church. Be alert at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Isn't this what we do together? This is what we do. We pray together. We pray for strength. We need each other and we encourage each other and we call each other out and we build each other up so that we're ready, right? Each of us responsible for the other to say, are you ready for this? Are you ready? Are you living your life for the Lord? When he comes, are you gonna stand up and lift up your head because your redemption is drawing near? Let's help each other be ready.
Let's pray. Father, we, we, we thank you so much for your word. Um, we thank you for telling us what we, what we need and what we need to know and also not telling us what we don't need to know. We thank you for how you've revealed yourself um, and, and, and specifically for these words um, and, for, and for this, uh, these, these sweet promises, for these uh, really serious warnings Thank you that we can see how your word has already come true over and over and over again. And so we can trust that it will come true in the future. Lord, where, where we have been caught up in this world, Lord, where we have run to sin for comfort, where we have, uh, where we have gone to to alcohol, to drugs, to uh, in any sort of behavior to numb ourselves, to, to just get through when the worries of, of life have just overwhelmed us. Lord, forgive us. Where we've gotten distracted, where we've drifted away, forgive us. Would you draw us to yourself by your spirit? Would you help us to number our days? so that we may have wisdom in our hearts? Would we, would we know and internalize that this world <laughs> is not gonna go on forever? There is coming a day when you will return. In your seat, I just take a moment to be with the Lord. Make yourself available to him. Ask him what, what he wants you to take from his word. What does he want you to believe that you haven't believed? What does he want you to do that you haven't done? What does he want you to confess? And who does he want you to confess it to? Father, we submit ourselves to you. You are the Lord. We are yours all of our lives, all of our days, all of our time, all of our money. Everything we have is yours. Would you help us? Jesus, we 
can't wait to see you. We need you to come. And we say with our brother John at the end of Revelation, come quickly, Lord Jesus. We look forward to a kingdom where righteousness dwells. We look forward to everything being made right. We look forward to no more pain, crying, and death. And we need endurance. Please prepare us for what's to come. Please give us strength to endure what you, what you put us through, what you what the, the trial that you have for us. strength to stand before you at the end. We thank you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.